Hello and welcome to episode number 70 of the Wise Guys Podcast. I'm John Tortorelli with my co-host Brennan Capizello and Justin Ray who makes his highly anticipated return following a pretty rough game for his 49ers. Today we'll be discussing a lot of huge news in the NFL. The Broncos might have gotten somebody who can save them and the same could be said for our Houston Texans. If you're new around here, my boy BC to my left is not a big Texans guy. We'll see what he has to say and much more after the championship round of the NFL playoffs. We have our Super Bowl team set. Jay Ray, just a little bit of an introduction. How you feeling, man? It's, uh, we got the Knicks and the Lakers right now. LeBron, 100-some-odd points away from Kareem's scoring record. What is your mental state currently and what's on the agenda? Okay, my mental state? When I saw LeBron take a day off from playing the Brooklyn Nets, I was like, man, this guy's going to drop. How much is he behind uh, from the record? He was 117 coming into today. Yeah, I was like, if, if, imagine if this guy just goes into the garden and drops a 100-point a game on our heads. That would have been the icing on the cake for uh, us Knicks fans that get tortured every time LeBron steps foot in the garden. But I'm feeling good, ultimately. I'm not as sad about the 49ers exit because I feel like it was just bad luck and things out of their control. So don't feel so bad for me. They'll be back next year and uh, they'll be all right. I miss you guys though. I'm sorry. I missed episode number 69. Gronk's favorite number, J. Rice. Someone that's going to make his return probably next season. Who knows? So the biggest news, the top news before we jump down today the Denver Broncos, fellas, have tried to do a lot of things this offseason. They were focused on D'Amico Ryans. At one point, they were trying to get Jim Harbaugh. And then, they are negotiating a deal with Sean Payton. That didn't work out. They tried D'Amico Ryans at one point. He denied them before going to Houston. And finally, the New Orleans Saints, fellas, have made a trade. A pretty important one for the Denver Broncos, allowing them to hire... Sean Payton, the Super Bowl winning future Hall of Fame head coach. And in return, the Broncos will be getting a third round pick from 2024 with his services. The Saints will be getting a 2023 first and a 2024 second. And to simplify that, the first round pick they got for Bradley Chubb, that looks like a pretty good deal now. That was paired alongside a second for George. Sorry, for Sean Payton. I'm mixing up his name with George Patton, his new fella. And a third round pick. Bren, when you looked at Russell Wilson this last season and everything that went on with Nathaniel Hackett, can Sean Payton turn around the Denver Broncos? And with this current roster, what can we expect from Bron the Broncos going to next season? What is the realistic expectation? Well, first off, you uh, you answered a question that I was going to have was that because, you know, when this when this trade happened or whatever, I remembered I was like, I saw a first round pick for 2023. And I remembered, wait, the Broncos just made a massive trade with the Seattle Seahawks. And I know they gave away their first round pick. And then you just jogged my memory. They traded away Bradley Chubb and got a first round pick from the Dolphins. So that was this first round pick. So they've had a lot of first round picks. Um giving a lot of them away. So they're, they're, they're going all in. Uh, and as for your question about can Sean Payton fix Russell Wilson? I've been pretty negative. I've been pretty much saying like, if I was Jim Harbaugh or Sean Payton, that I would stay away. Like this is one of the worst 
free agent classes for head coaches, if you want to say. Uh, I don't like really any of the teams uh, since the Cowboys and the Chargers basically locked up and said, no, uh, McCarthy and Staley are staying. But we're here. Uh, Sean Payton is the head coach. Uh, I saw a report, I guess, from I forget. I think it was Rappaport, um, uh, Ian Rappaport, that said, like, I guess their first choice was um, D'Amico Ryans. Or, and then D'Amico said, no, I'm going to Texas. Then they wanted to quietly try and get Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh said no. And then they went with Sean Payton, I guess. I don't know if that's true. Um, but again, that, that, that's like their fourth option. Uh, if that is true, uh, that's all, that's all hearsay. But as now Sean Payton being the head coach for the Denver Broncos, can he fix Russell Wilson? I'm going to say, I'm going to give Russell, a, a, a little bit of a pass for last season. Then I'm not going to be as harsh uh, as I was before. I'm not going to let last season fool me. Uh, I think it was a mixture of injuries, uh, a new place, new team, new coaching staff, Nathaniel Hackett not being a head coach material, an offensive scheme that maybe didn't mix with him, or maybe him having too much power and, and calling way too many of his own plays, because we know that controversy with the Pete Carroll. Whatever the case may be, you got Sean Payton now, and Sean Payton has proven to be an offensive genius. Uh, he, you know, him and Joe Brees, their history is well documented, how many records they broke, offensive yards. Uh, it's insane. So can Russell get back to that? I think that he can. I'm going to put my faith in Russell Wilson. I'm going to put my faith in Sean Payton, who is a Super Bowl head coach. And I think if Jerry Judy is healthy, which he hasn't really been the last couple of seasons, Cortland Sutton is healthy. Tim Pat uh, Tim Patrick comes back from his torn ACL, whatever he's going to be able to beat uh, next year. Uh, that Williams. tight end that you like, John, I forgot his name, uh, Udrich. Greg Dulich. The tight end for Dulich, there you go. Um, yeah, if the, and uh, Javante Williams, who went down early in the season, they can get those guys back. We know what the defense can give you. The defense is elite. It's great in pass coverage. Um, but that offense just needs its work, and I think Sean Payton's going to work some magic. I don't know. I, I would imagine their cap flexibility is not very kind. Uh, their draft capital is obviously not very good because of all these moves that they've made. So... They're kind of strapped, I guess. They would be stuck right now in their position of the team that they can go ahead and go forward with. Maybe they can make a couple of veteran ads here and there, but we'll see. We'll see. I'm going to put my faith in them, though. You know, what What a difference a, a head coach can make. Going into the season, I, we all had high hopes for the Broncos. You know, just acquiring Russ. Thought that this roster was possibly a, a quarterback away from being a contender, at least. And they show they showed some, at least games against Kansas City where I think it was one game against Kansas City where things were pretty tight, and they played some both, close. Both Justin, both it was both, both, games, it was both games, games, yeah. So they played they played them pretty tight, and you know when you're playing in that division, the AFC West, it's you know you're playing to beat Kansas City. You know it's not about everybody else; it's playing to beat Kansas City. And once you show that you can do that, then you could possibly take that next step. And it just seemed like. While we thought this team was a quarterback away, we didn't realize that the head coach that they hired was not exactly ready for the job. And I'm not trying to hammer on Nathaniel Hackett, but some people just aren't ready for it. And plus, I, I guess they just didn't have that chemistry in the locker room. Things just weren't 
fixed fixed up. There was a lot of stories coming out of Denver just about uh, Russell Wilson alone, and it, it was just off. And Russell Wilson, the rust that we saw in Seattle, was an MVP candidate, putting up numbers, can lead a team. And, and we kind of lost that, and it, it made me question, is Russ broken? You know, what happened this year? And I guess you're right, Brandon, you probably are, that a lot of things just went wrong. The new scheme, new coach, new city. When you go into, you know, you played, how long was he in Seattle? Over at least a decade, right? Um, yeah, ten, 10 years, 10 years in Seattle. And then you go to a new spot. Sometimes, you know, the grass isn't always greener on the other side. But when you add in a coach like Sean Payton and all the things that he's done, all the things that he's established and, and accomplished in his career, um, that's the perfect coach to help turn around your franchise, a franchise that since Peyton Manning has left has been looking for that head coach, looking for that quarterback to guide them. And I think they found their guy. I think Russ wanted him too. So I think teams like Arizona completely whiffed at a big opportunity to possibly uh, change the course of your franchise. But this is a big win for Denver. No matter what they had to give up to get him, this is a head coach that if he's all in, which I'm more than positive that he is, can make an instant impact and can catapult your team to it's one of those worst to first kind of stories. Not saying they will be first, but you know, they'll definitely have the the capability to do so. This was an A plus by the Denver Broncos. And you know, to answer the Russell Wilson question in the fall off from his years in Seattle, it's quite straightforward. Nathaniel Hackett couldn't redesign his offense to support Russ properly. Russ is not someone that sees the middle of the field well. It's something we've talked about a little bit with Kyler Murray. When you have a specific quarterback that is limited, you need to cater to their strengths. And in Denver, I felt like Nathaniel Hackett as a play caller wasn't even that bad, but we all knew Hackett was not hired to coach Russell Wilson. It was another Hall of Fame quarterback. Well, maybe we'll see with Russ this is exactly what you need to get him back on track. Somebody that, in New Orleans, with Jameis Winston, had that team in the playoff mix up until the end of the season, with Winston tearing his ACL, with no weapons in 2021. Peyton was top five, top seven coach, and there's no two ways about it. To Britain, one of the very best quarterback rows in NFL history, to go alongside Javante Williams, who was supposed to be one of their two biggest weapons last year. You hope with Javante, by the second half of the season, you'll see him come on the same way we did with Cam Akers. But it's tough to know because oftentimes with these running backs, they need two years. So that's my biggest concern. But when talking about the supporting cast, it's good enough. There's no glaring hole. You get Garrett Bowles back, who was starting the second half of the season. All things considered, this is the ultimate put-up or shut-up time for Russell Wilson. Because you have the head coach in a division where whoever the Raiders quarterback next year and Justin Herbert, they won't really be able to say it the same. You have a top five defense. You have a decent offensive line. It's not above average, but it's competent. And you have, when healthy, some of the better weapons in football. If you're between D'Amico Ryans, a defensive coordinator who may or may not get the right play caller, and Jim Harbaugh, who probably wasn't even that interested in the first place, or Sean Payton, this was the perfect way to go. And yeah, I'm giving this an A+. What would you guys grade it? Because maybe I'm looking at this with the rose-colored glasses. No, I mean, no, I think, yeah, A+. Plus, I agree. I, I don't think you are because I think you go get a Super Bowl head coach. Like every everything everybody said, basically, is this is supposed to be a culture-changing move. 
so the Broncos' expectations next year should be Super Bowls. Should be the Super Bowl, I should say. Or, I mean, Super Bowls, because you you got years. You got Sean Payton on, signed on for years. You got Russell signed on for that massive contract. So, let's go. Or, as, as the Broncos uh, fans say, or not fans, Russell Wilson says, let's ride. Let's ride. Yeah, Broncos country should be excited for this. Uh, so yeah, I, it's a clean sweep when I, with the A pluses here. Like you, like Brandon said, this is a a complete culture change for for Denver. This is something completely new. A coach that has full control of the roster. He's not butting heads with anybody upstairs. This is his team, uh, and he's gonna run it how he sees fit. Uh, Brandon was right. Uh, you said it earlier in the season. Your concerns about the Saints with Dennis Allen as their head coach transitioning from Peyton to another one. And it, it clearly showed. So nobody ever questioned how good Sean Payton was as a head coach. And we all know what he did with the Saints. So I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, like you said, this team should be contending next year. No excuse now. You got the head coach. You got a full offseason of work. Like you said, Broncos country, it's time to ride. You want to know what could also be riding in Denver? Vic Fangio. It was reported Vic will be going to Miami, which sounded pretty good for the Dolphins. And now it's seeming like, you know, Penn hasn't been put to paper yet. And Vic Fangio could perhaps, while he's been rumored to sign with the Dolphins, could be talking with the Broncos. Would he be willing to go back to Denver? I'm not quite sure, but one thing I do know is that Vic Fangio probably would rather be a defensive coordinator and would enjoy going back to that team with a new coaching staff, new ownership, and one of the youngest defenses that is quickly rising, Justin Simmons, Patrick Sertain, the secondary is special. It's the perfect group, I think, for his defense to shine. I mean, as a Patriots fan, I'd like him to go to the AFC West. <laughs> just a suggestion. I, I, I don't believe you. Values, you know, my suggestions. Just, you know, go with Sean Payton. It's fine. I mean, the only thing from uh, taking fandom outside out of it, uh, Vic Fangio to Miami was a home run. You know, that was a home run hit for them, but especially from Mike McDaniel, just focusing solely on the offense, having another head coach of the defense really out there. So if they if they really miss out on that and he ends ends up finding his way to Denver, uh, Miami's going to be uh, in a little bit of a pickle because they thought they had something secured. I think it's a matter of who's willing to put more money on the table, Jay Ray. And whoever between the two ownership groups pays more, my bet would probably be on the Broncos when they make a move against Sean Payton. I mean, you give up a first round pick, but you get an elite offensive mind, a top five coach, and perhaps one of the very best defensive coordinators. That mm -hmm. to me is worth two or three first round picks. We talked about mm -hmm. it with the Chargers. You can have a really good roster. The Broncos roster is not on the level of the Chargers, but it's, it doesn't have any holes per se. So mm -hmm. to get the coaches next year, the expectation is not only the playoffs, it's 12 wins in my eyes. But we'll really have to see what Javante looks like because that to me is probably the biggest weapon in that offense. And you have to, you have to hit on those late round picks that you still do have. That's yeah. where you have to be special, you know. Because that's where the Rams weren't as special with the F them picks mentality. It's kind of what the Broncos are doing too. Uh, so you have to hit on those late round picks, those culture guys that you can keep. So I have a question for you guys before we talk about the next team. Russell Wilson was a bottom five quarterback this last season. 
Given how poor he played, where would you rank him, projecting the possibility with Sean Payton? If I name you some quarterbacks in the top 10, the top 15 realm, you ready? We're projecting? The possibility. The potential, I guess, is the better word here. Okay. For this next year. Lamar Jackson or Russell Wilson, who's the better quarterback? Next year, I'm taking Lamar. Give me Russell Wilson. Matthew Stafford. Give me Stafford. Give me Russ. I'm taking Stafford. Will Russell Wilson next season be better than Geno Smith? Absolutely. Yeah. No hesitation there. Really? No, no, no hesitation at all. Uh, sure this, this isn't uh, this isn't a knock on Geno Smith. Um, that what a spectacular season he did have, but it's hard for me to believe that this isn't one of those uh like Case Keenum kind of runs with when he with the Vikings, and then mm-hmm. next time you see him, it's it's not the same quarterback. Mm-hmm. I would not be surprised if he. I, I'm not saying go back to how he was with the Jets, but regress a bit. That's yeah. it. I can't see it being keeping up that same level. He was a top ten quarterback this year. Hundred percent agree. Wow. I personally think Gino was so good in the first half of the season. The Case Keenum thing. You know what? Fine. He did lead his team. He helped lead his team to the NFC Championship game. We've got a couple more names here: Daniel Jones or Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson. Now that's no hesitation for me. This one's tough for me for the simple fact it's, that I, I got an, enough crazy. respect. No, it's more. It's not a Daniel Jones thing. It's a respect for Brian Dable. Where uh, I'm not saying Daniel Jones is Josh Allen, but uh, comparing their first year in a system with Dable, another year for Daniel Jones, anticipating they get more weapons, uh, and if he's progressing, ah. Uh, that's a, it's a tough one. I, I, I was, out of respect, I'm going to say Russ. Derek Carr or Russell Wilson, who will be better? Russ. Not knowing where Carr's going to be. Yeah, well, I don't know where Carr's going to be, so I'm going to say Russ. I'm not going to say him. I'm assuming Carr's in the NFC South. Who is him? Dak Prescott or Russell Wilson? Russell Wilson. Really? I'm surprised by that answer. Well, Dak's outside my top ten. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna take Dak. Mm. I'm taking Russ. Last name, Jared Goff. Russ. Russ. I'm taking Goff as well, dude. The Lions lit weapons, Jamison Williams in year two, and Amon Ross St. Brown. That's so far, have what the Broncos have. And look at the production. I think Goff's going to throw for 45, 4,400 yards again. And Wilson, will he get back to that level? I'm not quite sure. Next head coaching hire, big time news in Houston. While the Rockets this year have struggled everywhere, it feels like, there is some good news in H-Town. And it's that the former Pro Bowl linebacker and now budding defensive assistant coach D'Amico Ryans has signed a six-year contract in Houston. A couple weeks ago, when the Texans fired Lovey Smith, I said, why would I want to go here from D'Amico Ryans? After 
the fact they literally fired back-to-back minority head coaches in as many seasons. That's a pretty horrible look. But D'Amico in San Francisco had Jarvis Ward and Demandre Lenore. And that quarterback duo was unbelievable in press man-to-man coverage. You know, up until this game versus the Eagles, but not really. Jalen Hurts at 120 passing yards. The 49ers' defense literally got better after losing Robert Sala, who was before one of the best defensive assistant coaches. And when it comes to culture building, Jay Ray, there's few guys, former, few of former coach, former players and assistants who bring a level of energy and just, I guess, composure Ryan's does. For the Texans, what would you grade this? And do you think this can be the type of head coach that can turn their franchise around? And with this defense, Derek Stinley, upcoming top three pick and the Brown selection, how does it feel right now for a Texans fan? What do you think about this move? Oh, well, this, this is the time to start making moves. Uh, obviously, the biggest question on this team remains is who's going to be the guy under center for the near future? Um, or forget the near future, but for the all these years, that for the next decade, you, you're trying to find a guy, and they have the picks to see if uh, maybe one of those young guys in the draft will be that guy. But as far as this head coaching hire goes, I think it's a good one. Did a great job with the 49er defense. Now, granted, he was – given a, a glutton of talent on the defensive side of the ball, but it's kind of an awesome story. He's going back to where he started his career, you know, where he won defensive rookie of the year back in the day and he did his own thing. It's, it's a six year deal, which I think is the one is the thing that stands out to me the most. I've always said that teams give up on things far too quickly. And we're looking at a team that literally just fired co- two coaches in back-to-back seasons. Now, you, now you got to ride with this guy. You have to let let you got to see the process through. Got to let him do his job. Let him find his quarterback. Let him find his coaches and build this team. You can't give up if, if you go next year and you win four or five games. You got to continue to grow with it because how how else are you gonna build a franchise if you just keep you know tossing tossing head coaches back and forth, back and forth, back and forth? There's not a recipe for success. Um, I think this is a. a a cornerstone kind of move for the the Texans here. It's kind of reminds me a little bit of MCDC in Detroit, the kind of guy that can really make an impact. I think uh, Houston really struck gold with this one. And we've been hard on them about some moves that they've made in the past, but for once uh, I'm going to give them their flowers. Uh, And I, and I really hope that D'Amico Ryan's does his thing there in Houston, because this is, this is a team that has been, you know, so close just not too long ago with Deshaun Watson and D-Hop, and they felt like their future was set out for them, and then all of a sudden it's ripped away. So uh, I really hope that he, he does turn this team around. I believe he will. One of the last words you said there, Justin, it's a four-letter word, but it's probably one of the most powerful words in the world. Hope. That's what the Texans fans have, is hope. This is a great move. I echo basically all of Justin's sentiments, except for a couple where he said he he does believe that he can get the job done uh, in the next six years and, you know, stuff like that. I, I It's hard for me to see it just because of their starting point right now of how behind the eight ball they are uh, compared to all, especially they're in the AFC, dude. Have you seen the AFC got lately, guys? Have you seen it? Pretty good quarterbacks, bro. They also First, play in pretty the pretty AFC freaking good South. quarterbacks. If there's any any division for that. My dude, Trevor Lawrence. That's his division that, now, man. That's his division now. Are we sure about that? 
100%. Get into this because I have an epiphany with these Texans that's going to affect Trevor Lawrence. What's your epiphany? D'Amico Ryans is going to be the next Mike Vrabel hire, and this Texans defense is going to be lights out in two or three years. They have $39 million in cap space, and they finally have the tone setter. This is going to re-energize the fan base, but you know what it's also yeah, going to do? John, it's going to maximize what? the defensive personnel. I am telling you right now, this Texans defense is going to restore order. What we saw a little bit over a decade ago when I first started watching football, Tamiko Ryans was one of the best defensive coaching hires I've seen in the last five years. And now, I'm a little bit lower on going to the defensive coach route. That being said, I think Tamiko Ryans was a home run hit here. He's yeah, going to start wait, to wait, interview wait. some people from the 49ers staff on the offense side of the ball. Hello. Hello. Can I can I respond to your statement? Yeah, go for it. Go can for I it. respond to your statement about the, 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 the Houston Texans? You're about to just go on when you interrupted me. Your Houston Texans, this defense is going to be a stud. I can say all those points about the Jacksonville Jaguars, my friend. But on the other side of the ball, bringing in Dougie P, the offensive genius, and how he elevates the offensive talent of that team, which we have already seen firsthand. Something that you're talking about that is a question mark. We have yet to see it, my friend. The Jaguars, we have seen it with our own two eyes. Everybody's seen it. The jump from year one to year two with Dougie P. Oh, and guess what? They're not done either. Because guess who's coming to the Jacksonville Jaguars next year? a true number one wide receiver in Calvin, Calvin Ridley. And they still have the draft. They still have free agency as well. Where have you been? The, 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 where the Jaguars are, the Texans are like three or four steps behind them. First off, they have to find their quarterback. The, the Jaguars have done the hardest, hardest uh, job, right, guys? They found their quarterback and they got their head coach. Hardest job. The, the, the Texans, they have their head coach. We believe they have their head coach. Now, guess what? You have to do the other job. You have to but find you, your quarterback. But you know what, Brandon? I can't say, you know, uh, this Houston Texan team is so far behind the eight ball because I just look back two years ago at the Jaguars and, and look at their team this year as opposed to where they were just two yeah, years ju ago. No, but know? Justin, and, because of what I just – because of yeah, wait, no, but because of what I just said, because they found their quarterback – which is very hard to do, and they found their head coach because they 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 effed it. Let's be honest with the Urban Meyer. They were about to screw Trevor Lawrence in his career. They they realized their mistake, got his ass out of there, brought in Dougie P, and now they're they're elevating. You see it, and we all believe they're probably going to win the AFC South next year and, and be probably. And that's what I'm saying. Think contention. about that. Now the Texans have found their head coach, but now they have to do a hard job, which is find their quarterback. Do we believe in Bryce? Uh, um, I always forget his name, John. Help me. Bryce, Bryce Young, Young, right? Bryce Young. Do we believe in CJ Stroud? Do we believe in these guys to be the franchise quarterback? We don't know. These are question marks that we have to have answered. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. You know but what, though, Brandon? This takes one quarter, one one draft pick that can absolutely, uh, you know, change the course, you know? This oh, Texans yeah. franchise has flexibility. The Jaguars have negative $22 million in cap space. So this existing team, that's what they're rocking with. And I love the offense, but the defense still has a ton of work. So the reason I was kind of going that whole, I'm sorry about that, tangent before okay. was because the Titans every single year exceed their expectations. They're gritty. They know exactly who they are, and they have one of the strongest cultures. Through all of the injuries, Taylor Lewan at left tackle, Derrick Henry, Ryan Tannehill, they always find a way to be so competitive. 
with D'Amico Ryans, I guess I'm maybe I'm looking at him here with the rose colored glasses, but the biggest thing they needed was a tone setter. And I think this is the perfect hire almost because of all that he's shown. And if you listen to anyone that's worked around D'Amico Ryans, he sounds and he seems like the next up and coming awesome defensive oriented head coach. The bigger thing here is going to be capitalizing, like you said, on offensive mind. He's already started against the works with some of the 49ers assistants on their staff that he's worked with. And I do think this year in the draft, it's going to be a huge question. Do they go up Bryce Young with the second overall pick, or do they trend the route of Jalen Carter, who is awesome out of Georgia? I think he's going to be an absolute game wrecker. Or, or Will Anderson, a smaller gonna, edge. Or is Bryce Young going to even be at the number two overall pick? Will the Colts trade up because their team wants yep. a quarterback? Yep. With the Bears. All these question marks with you. But yeah, I do want to say that I did – I did. I hope you guys heard me when I said I agree with all of Justin's sentiments about how I believe D'Amico Ryan's is a great hire, and that I said they filled that void, which is finding the head coach. They found that void. I'm talking about now. They have to find the void of the quarterback, which is very hard to do. We just we just can go on a tangent about how maybe they don't even get the quarterback that they want in the draft because of other circumstances. Mm-hmm. And I kind of have a little bit part of my epiphany here. The Texans have the second pick and the 12th pick. I know yeah. Justin, as a Florida Gators fan, is not a big Anthony Richardson guy. But what <laughs> I think is going to go down the draft, Bryce Young goes number one overall to the Colts who trade up to get him. And at number two, mm-hmm. we don't see this very often. We usually do not. The Giants went the inverse route in 2019. The Texans, I think, are going to go Jalen Carter at the second overall pick, stud switchblade defensive end, out of Georgia, okay. and then at 12, with that Browns pick, they're taking Anthony Richardson in the top 15, Justin. And I know you're going to roll your eyes here. I'm telling you right now, Anthony Richardson is one of the best athletes I've seen coming out of the draft. And with the floor that he – he is such a good athlete and such a good floor raiser, much like Justin Fields last year, with the way the Texans want to play offensively, running the football, he's going to set them – like Justin Fields, the level of explosive plays and – Justin Fields one of the five worst passers in football, but he was so good on the ground and so dynamic that it really unlocked everything in that running game. With the Texans, Damian Pierce, he missed the end of the season. I think the foundation here is going to be rock strong. They definitely need to work more and more on the offensive line to really get to the level they're going to want to be at, but they've got time. They've got cap space. They have a young up-and-coming head coach who I believe is going to be really good. You know, I'm happy you said time, because if you're going to draft Anthony Richardson, that's what you're going to need. You're going to need a lot of time. Um, have you ever taken the time to look at his stats in college? Yeah. Are you impressed? He only had one year starting, you know, sub-60% completion percentage. But What did you think of his one year starting? The highs were incredibly mesmerizing, Justin. Mm-hmm. And the struggles with him are things we typically see with younger quarterbacks. Some of it can be developed, some of it can't. Some of it is mass-producing accurate throws. That can be developed to a certain degree. Others, it's pocket feel. And if you don't have the best pocket feel like Anderson, maybe you're taking quarterback sacks. That's something we don't see developed as much. Oftentimes, you either have that or you don't. Richardson has a special arm, and he can make high-level throws. It's a matter of finding that consistency. The same way Josh Allen did, Lamar to a degree, Jalen Hurts. I think for somebody that had such little reps in college, if he's a really good runner early, as the athleticism wanes later on in his career, he improves the arm. I mean, 
I think Anthony Richardson's going to go in the top 15. And for a team that wants to play that style, kind of like the Bears, old school with a defensive-oriented head coach that's oh. really good, that's kind of the right pathway to you, me. You know what? That that's That's all fine and dandy and all that, but that's – just know that that's such a big project to take on because if you're going to draft a quarterback with that kind of experience in college, it's not like you're drafting a four-year starter who, uh, who's who been there, done that, who has played in big moments, has played in championship games. No, you're, you're not doing that. You're drafting – I mean, Zach Wilson had way more experience coming out of BYU. Uh, guys like even Josh Rosen had way more experience. Sam Donald's and those guys – this is a massive project. So if you're going to go out there and you're going to draft him, fine. That's cool. But you most definitely have to bring in a veteran QB. You can't just – I don't know who's out there. I don't, I'm don't. i sure Derek Carr's definitely off the table. He probably wants to go to a team where he can compete and win uh, playoff games. You know, Justin, Justin, you're more, of a college, you're more of a college football guy than me. Um, but, like, to me, it just seems like these draft classes, they put people in in the first round now that really don't deserve it. Like, I thought that your stock in the draft goes with how you play on the field, not your potential or your talent. Well, it's that's the problem. On the field, you know what I that's mean? That's the problem. Everybody's glossing about how these guys are throwing in, in T-shirts and shorts with, with no pressure and coverage. You know, like, yeah. I, I'm not, I'm not going to – blow my blow myself also, John, John. I can throw a ball into a corner I'm not not, not listen I, I'm That's making it very <laughs> very clear I am not <laughs> saying I am anywhere on this level but I play the accuracy game with all the time I could throw a ball in a bucket but the thing is bro my, my, my whole point is if I'm not I guess what if I had pads on and I have 300 pounders rushing at me yo I'm throwing that ball straight in the freaking dirt. I I ain't playing yeah. this game. Not, this is mm-hmm. a different game. Once you get into the NFL, the speed is so different. So those guys that dominated in college, it's a totally different game in the NFL. So I'm I listen. I won't root against anybody, especially anybody coming out of the draft. Yo, I wish you guys all the best. And obviously, it doesn't always work out that way. Not everybody's gonna succeed in the L. But I, I hope that he does. I'm not wishing. I'm not saying this guy's gonna wet the bed. I really hope he succeeds. If he does even get drafted to Houston, I hope he takes that franchise to new heights. But I really can't say, yo, this is the guy. Brandon said it, yo. They just elevate these quarterbacks so much. They just find anybody to say, oh, this guy could have done this. This guy could have done that. No, these franchise guys don't come around like that. It takes years. It takes hits. It takes misses to find your guy. I mean, right now, I'm a New England fan. We have Mac Jones, and, and we're still questioning whether he is our guy. And some other teams don't know. They, they draft guys that are absolute mistakes. Then they're stuck going the veteran quarterback route over and over and over again. Like, it's so tough to find a quarterback in, the, in this league that, that's going to su- sustain you success. Look at the Colts. They lose Andrew Luck and have been in this abyss of quarterbacks, going with Jacoby Brissett, now Phillip Rivers, Carson Wentz, you got Sam Ellinger, now you have Matt Ryan. All these guys, they just, great quarterbacks don't come around as often. If you miss that window, you miss it. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the problem. So there's these projects in the draft, it just doesn't always work out. No. So you have yeah, to find doesn't. a sure thing. 
And quite frankly, I don't no know if anybody's thing. a sure thing. There is no. The hardest mm-hmm. thing in sports is drafting a quarterback. Because Brent talked before about the most productive. Mac was highly productive his last year at Alabama. And when you look back at the quarterbacks taken in the first round, I think Mac could be the fourth one. I would take Trey Lance before him because Trey Lance has so much potential. And for these teams that are taking guys in the top 10, you want to take a swing for the fences because every year you see Pat Mahomes, Joe Burrow, and Josh Allen in the AFC Championship game. In the NFC Championship game, the teams like the Niners and the Eagles have quarterbacks on rookie contracts that are not top 10 guys, but the teams around them are so great because those teams, let's say how it is, they scout those guys, they got a little bit lucky that they're on the board for them, and then with how well they've played, how well they've developed, they've been just good enough with so much flexibility in the cap thanks to not having to pay a quarterback, the team has been able to carry them. So I understand most of these quarterbacks are not, you know, exact, how do I word it? None of them are complete, usually. More often than not. Matthew Stafford wasn't a complete player coming out of Georgia. It's all about developing them and having the right staff so that you can really maximize their skill set. Because I hear often the uh, the OTAs thing, you know, Zach Wilson or the pro day. Zach Wilson could rip off the wasn't No, Zach Wilson was a great quarterback, prospect. In New York, he was not developed properly. He was thrown out to the Wolves, and he lost his confidence. If you're a quarterback without confidence, questioning your game, running around for days in the pocket, your entire row line's hurt, and guess what? You lose a running back who's the self-generator of all these explosive plays. Of course, Zach Wilson's going to look like trash. No one should have expected him to succeed. It's just a matter of, at a pro day, you see really good things, you have conversations with the quarterback, then further back up your belief on him. And if you have concerns about a quarterback, the pro day is not going to change your opinion. If you believe in a quarterback, the pro day is probably not going to change an opinion. I feel like that often gets misunderstood. And we use that analogy because, you know, you see the Tulsi prospect, that, you know, produce a lot in college, has a great pro day, like Malik Willis, they go crazy. I don't know, I don't Malik Willis fell the third round. You know, clearly the pro did not help his draft stock at all. No. 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 It's more of a show now. Just entertainment. Speaking of shows, we had a pretty good one on Sunday night. The Kansas City Chiefs hosting the Cincinnati Bengals. I had heard Chris Jones in an interview coming to this game refer to the stadium as Burrowhead Stadium, which was funny to me, you know. My brother's a Chief fan. We all root for the Chiefs usually because Steelers, of course, don't go very far in the playoffs now. And, you know, Arrowhead Stadium's the name of it. And then I saw the video of their Cincinnati mayor going, yeah, whatever he was saying, a whole speech to prepare the Bengals for this game. And the Bengals lost. It was a confusing game of sorts. BC, coming in, you and I both had the Bengals winning even if Patrick Mahomes was healthy. He wasn't. And he found a way. Hit us with it, man. Where did we go wrong? What were the critical missteps in our evaluation? What were your biggest takeaways from this game leading to this Chiefs Super Bowl matchup with Andy Reid going up against Philadelphia? Well, <clears throat> I don't, I mean, I guess our critical error was the overlooking of, uh, basically what determined this game which was the trenches um both on the offensive side and the defensive side the Kansas City Chiefs dominated on both sides of the football the offensive side a little bit less but the defensive side I mean Jesus Christ uh 
the the KC defense hit Burrow twelve times. They sacked him five times. Uh, Frank Clark and Chris Jones, both of them had outstanding games. Uh, the, the the stars came out to play, and for for me, I, I I thought because of last year they were able to overcome it. Uh, this year they weren't able to overcome it. The offensive line issues, uh, what I'm referring to. They were missing three of their starting offensive linemen. We already knew that. Ted Karras, their center, got banged up last game. He had to put a knee brace on. So, and, and we all know, I even said it myself, Buffalo's defensive line is not what Kansas City's defensive line is. Kansas City is the second uh, best sack team in all of football, 55 sacks. They were number two right behind the Eagles. Uh I should have known that going into the game, but I, I just thought that Burrow and the offense were going to be able to strike and complete and execute short passing plays. Uh, if they need to, you know, take a shot down the field, you obviously put the two, uh, um, put extra guys uh, to block for you, which they did at times. They made really good adjustments in the second quarter and on there, but the, the onslaught was just in, in key moments. Chris Jones, Obviously made the great play at the end of the game. That's what it came down to me. The, the trenches. I mean, I mean, the 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 Chiefs offensive line, I don't know if you guys knew this, but for the entire regular season, I know John likes to, you know, clown a little bit on Orlando Brown, the left tackle. Uh, but the Chiefs offensive line for the regular season, they were ranked number one in pass block win rate. Like they are that good for a reason. Uh and they're gonna have their hands full. Uh, in in about what is it? Uh, two weeks from now, two uh, weeks. A, a week and a half, basically. Yeah, they're gonna have their hands full against the number one sack team in, in uh, all the in the entire NFL with, uh, with Philadelphia. But for me, it just came down to the trenches and Kansas City dominated. Chris Jones too. Yeah, him especially on the defensive line it just came down to the trenches and Kansas City dominated in the trenches. And also, you know. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the obvious, dumb, unnecessary uh, roughness call at the end of the game. I'm not saying. I want to talk about that. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't that. It wasn't the wrong call. Obviously, I mean, anybody with two eyes can see that Mahomes was clearly out of bounds, and he and he, and he pushed him. It was just a dumb. What do you want to call it? Ignorant play. You just don't make that play. He knows that. I mean, we saw him on the sideline. The, his own teammate gave it to him after the game. No, uh, I want to talk about that in a moment. Yeah, believe it. Yeah, yeah, we 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 get it. But it, it's just that we know that 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 it came that that is what it came down to a penalty. They Can they I were talk? going to kick a yeah no I, I just want they were going to kick a fifty five plus yard field goal if the penalty wasn't called. Harrison Bucker, I don't think he makes that in that conditions yesterday. I don't the, the forty five yarder John was was real close to not being in. He close. ripped that. So close, bro. I, now that we've jumped into the Joseph Asai penalty and Patrick Mahomes, before you go, Jerry, I want to talk about it. So the Bengals, I felt like in this game, didn't necessarily have the beneficial whistle. We have the refs literally gifting the Chiefs an extra play on third down after the play. You know, they tried to roll dead, they couldn't in time. We have Joe Burrow getting you know, absolutely destroyed by Carlos, uh, not Carlos Dunlap, Frank Clark. But of course, why would we want Cincinnati in the Super Bowl for a second straight year? So they didn't call it. On the Sky Moore 25-yard punt return, setting up the Chiefs to score. The gunner gets pushed in the back on that same side of the fields. Why do we want the Chiefs to not be in the Super Bowl? And there were a couple other plays, too, uh, throughout the game. 
I even felt like the Joe Burrow roughing the passer, or not roughing the passer, attentional grounding call, eh, Burrow was getting hit, and it was in line with Samaji Piran. If he wasn't getting hit, maybe it you know, could have been someone on target. But I understand that. The Joseph Asai roughing the pat, not roughing the passer, but, you know, pushing, on, pushing Patrick Mahomes out of bounds to set up the Chiefs to get a pretty easy field goal there, to me, was not why they lost this game. And Jermaine Pratt, after the game, had choice words for Asai as, you know, the camera crew just pinned on to him, that same camera angle of him on the sidelines with one of his teammates consoling him. As Patriot fans, you guys remember in 2012 when Billy kind of missed a absolutely blew a chip shot of a 30-some-odd-yard field goal that would have tied the game to send the Ravens to overtime in Gillette Stadium. And I remember after the game, this is what really gave me respect for Ray Lewis, when asked about the kind of miss, Ray Lewis goes, not one play lost or won this game. Let me repeat that. Not one play won or lost this game. There's no, oh, Billy's at fault. Billy missed the kick. There's no freaking Billy missed the kick. It happens. You have to deal with it. Jermaine Pratt missed an easy tackle on Isaiah Pacheco on a third down that led to a chief score. Jermaine Pratt had just as much fault in them losing that game. He played a worse game than Joseph Asai. Now, I come at Pratt because as a teammate, it's easy to get emotional. I don't blame him. What Osai did wasn't a big mistake. You know, you can't do that in the NFL. Osai is a second-year player that played a great game, but that to me was an immature moment. He apologized after, and I respect him for that. But one thing I learned about Ray Lewis when I was a kid, your teammate may make a mistake, you better be there for them. And if Ray Lewis, a Hall of Famer, one of the greatest ever played the game, was doing that right after, that was his reaction. Billy Cunniff didn't lose the game. I missed, I missed a tackle. Joe yeah, Flacco could have made a play. We had a drop. John. That to me, it's way it's, it's what sports is about. You know, one play at the end of the game may have been yes. more monumental, but it wasn't any less or any more important than Hold a play on. in the second quarter. A missed opportunity, you. maybe along the way. I got you. Hold on, Justin. You can go right after this because John brought up Ray Lewis. Now I'm going to bring up a guy who played for his team, the Pittsburgh Steelers, Ryan Clark, who says this a lot. I've heard him say it on first take, and I think I've heard him say it on his Pivot podcast. You're right what you said about Ray Lewis, and it's him being a phenomenal teammate. And that's why we know Ray Lewis to be probably possibly the greatest motivator, one of the greatest team leaders in all of sports, in, fo in football, obviously. But what Ryan Clark says, I think I'm going to butcher it, but paraphrasing. When you're my boy, and we're talking teammates, I'm with you in the public. But when the public's off, if you're wrong in the wrong, I'm going to let you know. So I agree with you. Uh, I forgot his name, but homeboy that yelled at him, you're wrong for that. You don't do that because you're in the public eye. When you're in the locker room, the media's gone. Then you can tell them how you feel. Yes. Yes. Yes, you can. You know what? The, honestly, we all know he messed up. He knew yeah, he messed but up. But if you personally so feel like time, you, like... you want to say something, I'm just saying that's when you do it if you want to feel that. Well, I'm not saying how he – him doing that is right i'm saying if he feels that way then that's how he feels i'm not going to tell another person how they feel okay but if that's how he feels then do it at the right time there's a time and place for everything you don't do it in public because that is your teammate that is your brother in arms you're going out there in war so in public when the cameras are on when the media people are around you're with him 
when it's closed, if you got something you want to say, then you say it behind closed doors. That's how it's done. I agree with you, though. I don't agree with him doing it in general. But if he does have a problem, then that's how you handle it. That's fair. I, I honestly feel like, uh, obviously, that, that was just done in terrible taste. Obviously, I know that there's passion. Your season just ends. You're going home, and you want to point the, the blame at that one play. But, John, you pointed it out at a, at a missed tackle he made earlier in the game that could have prevented a Chiefs touchdown that happened later in that drive. Um, there's a lot of things you could have pointed at that were reasons the Cincinnati Bengals didn't win. If you want to criticize officiating, okay, um, they were bad. They reared their ugly head. They weren't great in, I'd say, any one of the championship games on Sunday. But at the same time, the Bengals did have multiple opportunities to win that game. And I'm sorry, you go into a place like Arrowhead and, and you have teammates saying, oh, this is Burrowhead. You know, that's that's fuel to the fire for a team. That is uh, clear cut what people – that's locker room material. You know, that's what, – what, what, what is that saying? Uh, damn. Bulletin, bulletin board material right there. Like, they, that's uh, – you, you best believe that the Chiefs players heard that, and they knew it. They Everything that was said, like you said, the Cincinnati mayor, they knew it. That's fuel to the fire for those guys, and you're – you're not going into a place that that's that's an easy easy task. No, this team has hosted an AFC title game now for five straight years. You're going into their territory and you're being disrespectful about it. Now, I also had Cincinnati winning that game because I was just like, man, Joe Berg, Joe Shiesty, this guy's just so cool. I couldn't see him losing an arrowhead. I just saw him going in there getting a W, and you know he was damn near close. But you had the ball. You had the ball to to in your hands to to finish that game and, and you guys didn't get it done. There were opportunities out there for Cincinnati and they made big plays. The touchdown to to T Higgins where he just mossed a mossed a dude. Uh the big fourth down to Jamar Chase. What a ballsy play. They played with their 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 hearts, man. They were playing out there. But at the same time, they just didn't make the plays when they absolutely needed to. Now yeah, granted, Kansas City probably had a few calls go in their favor. But like I said, that wasn't the be all end all. Cincinnati just just didn't make enough plays, and Kansas City did. And Patrick Mahomes on a hobbled leg, delivering an absolute dart to MVS in the end zone. Uh, Jesus Christ! Like, what can't that guy do? And, and I know on this show before, uh, it made it seem like I was critical of Patrick Mahomes. But I'll be honest, there's not one single game that I, I watch Patrick Mahomes and I, I don't get jaw dropped at least from one play that he makes um the dude showed out Travis Kelsey did his thing I mean three of it three of his top receivers go down in that game and they still go out there to make plays mm -hmm. nothing they they weren't they weren't uh you know worried one bit they went out there they did their job they took care of business and you know rightfully so they're going to the Super Bowl well yeah and I mean in terms of uh, what you said about them uh, taking that bulletin board material, 100% they did. I mean, I, th I think it was clear to everybody after the game if you watched the post-game oh, yeah. stuff. I mean, Travis Kelsey cutting a promo, like Dwayne The Rock Johnson back in his heyday. How could you? How could somebody not like that guy? It's a problem. People out there that are just hurt people, hurt people, <laughs> Justin. Hurt people, hurt people. Um, You know, uh, Mahomes saying his, his lines. Uh, Yeah, they, they all took it, obviously. 
uh, and you're supposed to. Um, but I will say this in terms of did he basically I'm sorry I'm forgetting the guy's name, John, the guy that pushed uh, Mahomes when he uh, was Joseph Asai. Oh, Asai. Joseph Asai. He did technically cost him. I think we can all look at it objectively. That's the last play of the game. It is the ga- thing that ends the game. You want to know something, though? Uh-huh. This is where it really irritated me. The refs were quick to call a call on the Bengals, but when Orlando Brown is holding Joseph Osai in that play, it's a penalty shortly. If they yeah. don't call it, and then Osai is a little bit late to Mahomes, maybe if Orlando, like, I saw a screenshot in a video recording, Orlando Brown was holding him as a penalty. They didn't call it. No. So well, there was about, John, there was about three or four holding calls uh, on the helmet catch play, and none of them got called. So it happens. Uh, I'll be honest, and I hate to be the conspiracy guy, but I really do believe the NFL knows the matchups that they want when it comes to Championship Sunday. So some calls are just going to go a certain way. Um, I don't think – I feel like that's probably been the case for many, many years. Uh, I'm not surprised by it. Yes and no. Um, but in turn, this is what I want to say before we can, and we can move on to the next game. I do believe this. If both teams are fully healthy – I think the Cincinnati Bengals beat the Kansas City Chiefs because if you oh. take away the pressure from the uh, defensive line of Kansas City, which I don't think they're going to wipe the floor with uh, uh, if you uh, make that offensive line healthy, I think they're still going to get pressure, but you just decrease it. It's going to decrease, obviously, especially how Cincinnati's O-line started to play much better later in the season because the chemistry started to get better. They started to play with each other and have a lot more trust and faith. I do think Cincinnati goes in there, and I think they win if both teams are fully healthy. But that never happened, and we'll never know. You're totally right. The Bengals lost this game because the offensive line collapsed at the end of the second half and the end of the first half. Mm-hmm. That left points and opportunities on the board. The Chiefs, what did they do? They capitalized the entire game. I owe Kansas City an apology. and Brent, you do too, honestly. When I was a kid, I was tormented by Patrick. No, sorry. When I was a kid, I was tormented by the New England Patriots. If they didn't go to the Super Bowl, it was a shock. In five years as a starter, Patrick Mahomes has only went to ASC Championship games. That's all four-year-olds in Kansas City know. Three Super Bowls, one Super Bowl win, Super Bowl MVP. But I have two NFL MVPs: Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. And we've made this comparison before. It's the new Brady and Belichick. And you saw in this entire game, rookies stepping up, making huge plays. Watson interception. John, Isaiah Pacheco, John, only 26 yards for Pacheco. No, when but when it was big that. time, it was big time moments. Pacheco made big time plays. And Sky Moore, man, underutilized the entire season. I, don't I give think a couple about of that. us talked him up. I couldn't care less. Five yard return to step. John, I couldn't care less. When you make a statement like that, when you make a statement, I need you to clarify. Sure. When you make a statement that they're the new New England Patriots, what do you mean by that? Be, please be specific. Because I understand what – I think I understand what you're trying to say, but I need you to actually say it and be specific. Because when you say New England Patriots, I hope you realize that's the greatest dynasty in sports history, okay? So be specific. I, I'm, I want you to just clarify what you mean by that. The Kansas City Chiefs are the new super team that dominates the AFC. If you want to go to the Super Bowl, you have to go through them. Okay. That's what I mean. Because when they get a second Super Bowl victory in two weeks, 
we'll soon be calling them a dynasty too. No. You have to get at least three championships to be a dynasty. Okay, I guess that's you fair. Have to. Maybe you have to. Overzealous here with the two. Okay. It's not overzealous. You have to you have to get three. Everybody knows that. The Miami Heat, was that a dynasty, John? No. Okay then. <laughs> you have to get three. Fair enough. Justin, do you agree with that? Two oh, yeah. or three? three? Yeah, I, I think uh, a lot of people have changed exactly what a dynasty is because uh, – I mean, it's more than that. It is more than that, I do want to say. But I that that's my starting point is three championships at least, and you have to have dominance over at correct. least there you 10 go. years. I yeah. think it's at bare minute. When you look at the real dynasties of NBA and NFL, because that's the only really I can pull from. I'm, I don't have them brushed up in MLB, NHL, soccer, Tennessee. Yep. Uh, well, obviously, I, I know that, but – but you, you know what I mean, like the integral stuff like that. NBA and, and NFL, I can really look back on and kind of realize what I'm talking about. There's not that many. And what they all have in common is, I think, at, at bare minimum, 10 years of dominance and three championships. I think if you look at those two sports. That's fair. I can't disagree there. Mm-hmm. But yeah. That's why I don't think the Warriors are just there yet, because they're at how many years? It's nine years, eight years since they won the first championship. It's been nine. Nine. So yeah, they have to get yeah. I, I would consider the Warriors a dynasty. Not just yet. They they still have a little they still have a checkbox. That's not unchecked, Justin. So Shaq and Kobe were in a dynasty? No. Wow. They, didn't have, they didn't have the dominance. How many years were they together? Four or five? No, I mean they're together from ninety six to two thousand and four. So really? Yeah, about eight, nine years. Are you sure about that? No. They won three championships yeah. and went to the finals. They three-peated too, right? Four times. They three-peated. If, if you win if you win back-to-back at any point and then you win three altogether in a span of ten years, I think that, that considers you a dynasty, which is no, why I consider opinion, the Warriors have to have, a dynasty. In my opinion, you have to have dominance over ten, at least ten years. Uh, what well, other teams have outside of New England and, you know, Bill, Bill, Bill Russell in the 1960s would qualify? The Spurs? That's a dynasty. That's that's like two separate dynasties almost. It's, it's, it's the same. It's Greg Popovich, Tim. What do you mean? Tim Duncan was there the whole time. And Greg Pop, it's the same thing with Brady and Belichick. At least you have to have that at least on your thing. So yeah, the Celtics would be one. Uh, the Laker, uh, Magic's Lakers would be one. Trying they to think how five championships. They won five championships. The eighties were basically dominated by Bird and uh, Magic. MJ would be one. Mm-hmm. I mean, not MJ. Sorry, the Bulls. Uh, you know what I mean? Listen, I think if you win three championships in a span of six, seven years. You're a dynasty. San Francisco Giants in, in baseball won a title in 2010, 2012, and 2014. That's, but did they fall off a cliff? In Lincecum, they didn't make maybe? the playoffs in, in the year after their first title. No, how many? But, like, because it, it's continued. Like, did they get back right after that? Uh, Not to mean? winning the, the whole thing, but at least competing. No, sometimes some seasons – they weren't even in the playoffs a year after winning a title. And then the year they come, the next season, they win a championship. I think in 2011, I don't even believe they made the playoffs. I could be wrong. It's, it's, it, we can get into that debate another time. Yeah, that's another debate. Yeah, let's, debate. let's move on to the game. I mean, that, the dynasties. That I like having really that debate, game. though, the dynasty debate. Yeah, it'll be a fun one. So, Justin, God bless you, John. Salute, my friend. Justin, 
I had to take it first, so this is your turn. Oh man, that was let me uh serve yeah. you up a little bit. Yeah, man, sure. Man. Oh man. Justin had an epiphany earlier in the season that with Brock Purdy, the 49ers weren't gonna lose again. But on well, Sunday, he made that initial prediction with Jimmy Garoppolo. I think yeah, Jimmy was still the starting quarterback, right, Justin, when you said they weren't going to lose? Yeah. Jimmy credit the, the man. He never wavered when yeah, Brock Purdy soon after came in. And what we unfortunately got to see on Sunday afternoon was a 31-7. to What word would you use to define the game? Uh, smash mouth game? Where Don't say that. The Philadelphia Eagles dominated. They, they beat their ass. They beat, ass. Listen, let's just cut it. They whooped their ass. They whooped their ass. No, no, no. Whooped no, their no. candy ass. No, they didn't. No, yeah, they didn't. Yeah, no. Yeah. Uh, no. You can't. I'm sorry. And, and this is what pisses me off about the whole game. And, and when I'm seeing people say, oh, the 49ers got waxed. They got their asses handed to them. That's exactly what happens. You go into Philadelphia and you got their ass beat. No. You, you played a team literally with both of their hands tied behind their back. You're playing a team with their cards straight up on the table. The game was over in the first quarter. And it and, and the thing is, and it wasn't because Philadelphia did anything spectacular. And I'm sorry to break it to you guys. I don't know if you know this, but the Eagles had their lowest offensive output all season despite running 25 more plays. It was 7-7 seven to seven most of the first half. Until the flags really I'm started. Flag. I'm throwing a flag on you right now. I'm no, throwing no, 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 no. No, I'm throwing no, no, a flag. No. Justin, stop. No, 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 no. Got off I got time. you. I got you. You said it had nothing to do with the Eagles? I'm sorry. How did Brock Purdy get injured? That was yeah, Hassan okay. Reddick. What team does he play for, What team does he play for? Okay. What, what about what about Josh Johnson? You How know, did he you, get you, injured? You How did he get injured, Justin? Justin, how'd he get injured? Yes, he got sacked. Oh, and he plays for the... Yes, I know. Okay, okay so it was what the Philadelphia... I Don't try and be he got hit. It happens. The fact that he, he got knocked out of the game completely... Well, they're blocking him with the tight end. The you don't block game. a guy who just had it 16 and a half It changed the entire the game. End, I'm sorry. And this isn't me making excuses for the 49ers. No, Eagles won. That's fine. You did what you had to do because you played a team that had zero quarterback. That's fine. You did what you did. But for the most, it was 7-7 most of the first half. Flag started flying. Fourth-string quarterback drops a snap. Boom. Game was over. It was 21-7 after he dropped the snap. And then the second half featured a quarterback with no UCL. I'm sorry to say, but having a, a torn UCL to the capacity that he did is like a soccer player running around with no ACL. You can't forget Christian McCaffrey. You can't move. You can't move. So I, I'm, I'm not going to say the Eagles didn't deserve this. I'm going to knock one thing. I'll say, wow, the Eagles really ran with the easiest road to the Super Bowl that we've seen in a very long time. Literally, a champ. I'm sorry, I'm infuriated, infuriated with how that game turned out because we literally watched a football game where the game was over in the first quarter after Brock Purdy went down and – Josh Johnson dropped that snap. Game was over. They weren't coming back. Wait, Justin, aren't you the same guy who are telling me and John that uh, these NFL football games, I just watch football, man. I just – I eat football up, you know? 
take whatever you can get. Yeah, that's not like that. You know, but you know what? You can't tell me at all that any of you guys enjoyed watching that football. No, I'm not. The only reason that you guys would enjoy that football game is just sitting on the couch thinking, damn, Justin is probably heated right now. That's the only reason you could probably enjoy that game. It was a mess from the injuries. Uh, Forget the. First, uh, first Eagles touchdown drive. I'm poor coaching on on, on that side. Should have challenged that. Heads up. Should have challenged that. And I'm not saying you know anything could have changed. Like, I'm a big believer in the butterfly effect. One little thing changes, maybe something yeah. else doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Maybe if you challenge that, a lot of things change. Eagles don't score on that first drive. I would say the San Francisco 49ers defense did a solid job up until the point that you know they were on the field for three-fourths of the game. Yeah. You know, the Eagles won time of possession by, I think, a whole last quarter. Yeah. So there's a reason why the 49ers absolutely got blown out that day, and it wasn't entirely all on them. Injuries and and just bad luck really took over. Uh, I really wish the 49ers had another quarterback dressed. I I wish they had three (laughs) quarterbacks dressed for that game because – that was an absolute disaster. And and it's sad because, you know, the 49ers go into the season with Trey Lance expecting to see what their draft pick looks like. He gets hurt out for the year. Then you get Jimmy G. You know what you're getting. He gets hurt out for the year. Then you're going with the last pick in the NFL draft. He doesn't lose a single game. He takes you all the way to the NFC title game. And then you pretty much just show up just to take the field because you have to because – they, they had no quarterback at, he at one a point, pretty much. Tear. A complete yeah. tear of the UCL. He's, he's going to be out six, six months. That, right. that, that'll, take a, that'll take a baseball player, at yeah. least a pitcher out, a whole season. Justin. You know? I, um, I feel – and you know what? I, I hope you guys feel the same way. And I'm not saying this just because I rooted very hard for the 49ers. I feel very bad for that team because that team okay. fought hard all season long. I think had won 12 straight games. They didn't lose for months. And that's how that's how you lose the season. Yeah, yeah. that's really all right, Justin. Here, here's the, here's what I'm gonna say. Right, kidding aside. All right, <laughs> kidding aside. No more jokes. I agree with you. The Eagles have the easiest road to the uh, to the Super Bowl uh, in the playoffs and in the regular season. We forget they had a, a top five, one of the easiest schedules in the NFL. I agree with you on that. I disagree with you. If even if Brock Purdy didn't get injured on that play. Let's say he just fumbled the ball. He stays healthy and the game continues. I feel like the Eagles were in route to beating the the uh the San Francisco 49ers. Like I, I maybe they not exactly maybe not Brock exactly not like out. maybe not exactly like that, but I feel like they were gonna win pretty comfortably. I thought both defenses showed up. I thought Phillies was outplaying, uh, and they were, the pressure was, was starting to come. I mean, I told you guys, they're the number one sack team in the NFL. All right, they were able to get the pressure. They've got an abundance of guys they can throw at you. It's ridiculous the amount of names that they can throw at you, the guys that they can throw at you. But I will tell you this. No, I do not feel sad for the San Francisco 49ers. Do you want to know why, Justin, I don't feel sad? Do you want to know? Sure. John, do you want to know? You want to know why? They deserve to win that game. No, no. I'm not sad because they did this to themselves. 
not once, but twice. Two times. Okay? What are you doing here? Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, oh you're I, gonna go I've been tweeting about Brady, this lately. Bro. I've been tweeting about the... Oh, way to spoil it, Justin. Way to spoil it. Bro, it's a, it was a this freak lady. injury that happened to Brock Purdy. Uh, uh, Justin, they let the man continue. This, this is going to be pretty interesting Whoa, here. whoa, whoa. I'm I'm a, I'm like the guy from the Matrix out here. I'm dodging your bullets. You're, you're shooting at me right now, Justin. All right, because I got an unbelievable point that you cannot. There's no holes. They had the opportunity, did they not, to get Tom Brady two times, not once, twice. Has when's the last time Tom Brady's missed a game due to injury? Quick. Oh wait. Two thousand eight. Two thousand eight, where he tore his ACL in the first game of the season on an illegal hit by Bernard Pollard. Okay, that's the only time. The only other game he really missed was he was taken out in the Pittsburgh game in his first uh, AFC Championship game where he got injured, I think, in the first or second quarter, and Drew Bledsoe won the game. This freaking guy. Um, that that then he had so basically, other than that, he has not missed a game. Tom Brady doesn't get hurt, and you bring up the Brock Purdy thing, my friend. They lost Trey Lance. They lost Jimmy Garoppolo. They lost Brock Purdy. They lost Josh Johnson. Tom, if you have Tom Brady, he doesn't get injured. He do, he played through a freaking torn M. People like to forget this. He played through a torn MCL in the pandemic year when he won a Super Bowl for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Man, they okay. broken fingers. If you if you get he won the game against Je- Saxonville with the gash in the middle of his throwing hand. Down in the fourth quarter. Come on, man. If they pick Tom Brady the first time, we're sitting here right now. I guarantee you this. We're sitting here right now with the 49ers on their way to their third Super Bowl win, doing something that no NFL team has ever done in the history of the NFL, winning three straight Super Bowls. I guarantee you if Tom Brady signs with them the first, if Shan- sorry, let me be correct. If the Shanahan's agree to bring Brady on because Brady has wanted to go. Brady contacted them the first time around and the second time around. They both, the Shanahan said no to them because they were power hungry. They did it to themselves because they thought they were the smartest people in the room and they could get away with a below average quarterback. Well, guess what? Fate came knocking on your door and you weren't getting through to it. You've been this close on the precipice for how many years? For four years, minus that one year after the Super Bowl where they were injury ravaged. You've been on the precipice. And what has failed them every time, Justin? What has failed them? What position? What position? (laughs) Tom Brady's there. Does Tom Brady fail you, Justin? Does he? Does he? Oh, my goodness. Come on. The agenda is clear in the offseason for the 49ers. The decks are being cleared. You call Brady. He comes in, you choose between the one of the young quarterbacks to keep, the other one you trade, whichever one you prefer the fu- for the future. Get assets, and you go win a freaking Super Bowl next year. That's the agenda. You want to win? The, the, it's right there. I can't make it any easier. I, it's a freaking layup, dude. It's Michael Jordan in 96, 97. Open layup. It's right there. I think they didn't sign Brady the first time because a lot of people thought Brady might have been done after 2019, which wasn't true. And that was further, you know, supported when he won a Super Bowl the following season. You know, I'm not quite sure if the Eagles have had 
the easiest roads this year but a lot of people are making out to be. First off, in the regular season, while coming into the year they had one of the hardest schedules because of how much the Cowboys, the Giants, and even the Vikings, who they played earlier in the season, overachieved, the Eagles had actually the toughest schedule in the NFL in terms of opponents' winning percentage. The toughest! I know that sounds crazy, but the Cowboys winning 12 games, the Giants, their division was great, that's the reason why. Against the Vikings, they humiliated them at home. And the Cowboys, one of one, the game they lost, you know, it was tough, two backup quarterbacks in each of those two games. The Giants, by a lot of people, were a pretty legitimate team that could have beaten them a third time because they're in the same division. The same way the Seahawks for Niners game was somewhat competitive. And with Jalen Hurts playing through a shoulder injury, you're not going to drop him back as much. He's not going to run the football as much. His, his throws surely are not as accurate, not as decisive. They annihilated the Giants. And then they play the San Francisco 49ers with, you know, Josh Johnson and Christian McCaffrey playing quarterback for the bulk of the game. If Brock Purdy plays, I still think the Eagles win because they have one of, if not the best offensive line I've ever seen. Now, it's important to know... Hall they got Famer. away with a couple false starts, but whatever. Two Hall of Famers. Yeah, you want to know what I also saw, Justin? I saw Jason Kelsey and Cole plowing through the best defensive line, or one of the best defensive fronts in football, like it was a snow day. You know, they were getting out at 12 o'clock, they were hyped up, and quite frankly, it made the entire game that much easier because they just controlled everything. Now, they didn't have their most yards. Justin pointed out the, the point before. What was the point? What was the point? Least yards in any game by them this season. The fact I, that I said their their offensive output. This was their lowest offensive output all season. Plus, they had twenty five more offensive snaps than the Forty ers I'll be honest, man. Listen, I, I understand how good this Eagles team is. I'm not knocking them one bit. Um, but I, I, like I said before, I, I really thought the Forty ers had this game, and I really feel like they would have won this game had they had an actual quarterback playing. I think, and I'm not glorifying Brock Purdy. I'm not saying he's the second coming of Tom Brady, but I'm saying having a quarterback that has been working with your team for the past, you know, 13 weeks, rather than having a guy that you just acquired, I believe on December 19th mm -hmm. under center, it, it's a massive difference. I think Josh Johnson has nine career games started. Made impressive in 14 He's played for almost half the teams in the NFL. Which, 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 is, which is absolutely insane. So nine games started. You're throwing a guy while, yeah, granted he has NFL locker room experience and all. Brock Purdy's been on the field basically the same amount of time as him. And Brock Purdy's a lot younger. So and a lot better. And a lot better. And I <laughs> and and that's the thing. That's a it's a big difference. You guys can say, oh, even with Brock Purdy on the field, I felt like the Eagles would have still had an edge. It's not a guarantee because, like I said, 15 minutes of, of that of time of possession given solely to the Eagles yeah. is because of all these three and outs that they had because they yeah. had no offense. They had no – yeah, I mean, Hero. Justin, we're no, not – I don't think – But that's my thing. It's just imagine, yo, this is the playbook. You got it. Throw it out. Yeah, you throw, throw it out. Throw it you got to run the it football. Was, it was all gone. It, and yes. that's the thing. It was literally, like I said, the 49ers. Listen, I'm not about to disagree hands. with you. No, I, I know that. I'm just actually, I'm just frustrated. because I understand your frustration. You, two you, hands you, you, tied behind their back. I watched that football game miserable because also Justin, at the same time, I wanted a good football game. You latched on. Championship Sunday, and I didn't get that. You latched onto the wagon. 
you hung on, all right? And I respect that. And you went down with it. But at the end of the day, the wheels fell off, all right? And what you were you wrong. They got shot at the sky. They were, you were wrong. You were wrong at the end of the day. For whatever reason, you were wrong. Well, right. No, I don't think me right. and John are disagreeing with you that if they had a, a, a an actual competent starting quarterback on the field, that they would have put out a better product. What me and John are saying to you is, for me personally, what I saw in the first drive and what I saw with, when Brock Purdy was in the game for the short sample size he was, I feel like the Eagles were going to do that, man. I feel like that pass rush was just too much for that offensive line. They have up to seven guys they can throw at you at fresh legs. That's an unbelievable amount of fresh legs to throw at you. No O-line can keep up with that. It, it, it's just that's what I thought. And I thought Brock Purdy was going to struggle having to play the best secondary in the NFL. I, I, I felt that. And I think that they were en route to doing that. And, and you know what? I believe even with all that, Shanahan would have been able to at least adjust and he didn't yeah. have the opportunity to. So, you know, all this conversation really means absolutely nothing because we just don't know. But I, honestly, I think we all, we can all agree. You wouldn't have been surprised if the 49ers won that game because they're a very good football team, very good defense, and they showed out for at least the first half while they, sure, they had sure. somewhat of a break. Um, so, Justin, this is let, let's get to it. The mission is clear, though, right? Absolutely. Okay. If you can't, and, and honestly, I think uh, I think the Trey Lance experiment is over. Um, if I'm them, I think the rumors are that Tennessee is possibly the option. I, that's what I heard. One rumor that Tennessee would they trade tennis uh, Lance to Tennessee. Brock Purdy is their quarterback of the future. Brady yeah, I, for one year. I, I think that would be the best possible outcome for both. My only thing for on the Tom Brady side of things, I think San Francisco needs to find themselves a legit. Uh, deep threat because Tom Brady is always. Uh, I feel like you needed somebody that can. He's got Kittle, Somebody that Kittle that is Gronk. Somebody that can stretch the fields for him. And, and hell, Gronk could be coming back. You, you, you got Gronk and Kittle. Well, Are you, know, you freaking kidding me? With that would be insane. But I think Ayuk. Uh, I, I do think that'll be the perfect scenario for him if he if he finds himself in San Francisco. Call it one more year at his hometown. You know who Trey's Trey Lance? You know who Trey Lance's game reminds me of? Former NFL MVP, late great Steve McNair. That size, the strength, the athleticism, you know, as passers, maybe not the most refined, but he can get better and good enough. And especially with Mike Rabel and the defense, their ability to overachieve, I think Trey Lance would be great for them. You also got Malik Willis, though, in the equation. I don't think, let's be honest, Trey Lance is being moved. He has to earn the job in San Francisco. That's why it's good. The agenda this offseason for the 49ers, it's quite clear, as Brandon said, Mm -hmm. the elephant in the room, the monkey on Kyle Shanahan's back, and the thing he regrets, I'm sure of it, is not signing Tom Brady. And quite frankly, it's, you know, we all know what they have to do. Sign Tom Brady. Mm -hmm. You have to hope the Raiders don't poach him with Josh McDaniels and that Tom's not bitter and wants to, you know, pummel you in the Super Bowl next year. We'll see. The second thing. That's an interesting point. The fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Fool me three times. This is a movie ending, Justin. This is a movie ending. This is what they write. You can't write it better in Hollywood. Mm. Plays for his favorite team growing up. Gets to win a Super Bowl right off into the sunset. His eighth Super Bowl in 11 tries. Are you freaking kidding me, dude? Or gets rejected by his favorite team twice and then goes up they're against not, them. I don't, the Super Bowl they're not. And... 
If they do, if they do re- re- uh, reject Tom Brady again, I've I've lost respect for Kyle Shanahan and Mike Shanahan because don't be fooled. He has a, a a say in that. He has a voice in that room. Does. So the Shanahan's um, both, I would lose respect for both of them if they say no to Brady when they have seen the product for the last four years and what has come up short every single time. Every single it's year. not your defense. It's not your O-line. It's not your weapons. It's it's not your coaching. It's your freaking quarterback. Hassan Reddick was pretty good too. He was. The second thing they have to do was $16 million in cap space. I, I think Mike McGlinchey, pretty key at right tackle. Jimmy Ward at free safety. You want to retain this in their initial team because the 49ers, I think we can make the case, top two, top three roster in football. You don't have a whole lot of time with this team. We see with injuries mm-hmm. very quickly, it could snap into the second half, bottom second half of the league. So maximizing this roster of two years of Tom Brady, it's quite clearly the way to go. And then retaining the cast. And the third thing is keeping Trey Lance and Brock Purdy. Have them compete. Have them refine one another's sorts. And in two years... One of the opportunities there for one of them to start, whoever is better gets the job, whoever doesn't, is being moved somewhere else, maybe for like a third or fourth round pick because Brock Purdy has played high-level football and Trey Lance reasonably was a top-ten pick. So the Niners are in a pretty good spot, but they better hope Tom wants to go there because I am not quite sure if TV does. If I were him and I want to win a Super Bowl, they'd give me the best chance, but if Tom wants to really relinquish his inner competitor with Hunter Renfro, Devontae Adams, McDaniels, maybe a better defense... In Las Vegas, in a super tough division, I think he's just as likely to sign in Las Vegas. Dude, you'd be a fool. I mean, come on. Brady's a smart man. He can look at – we just talked about the he's AFC. competitive man too, Brandon. How dominant that – he is competitive, but I'll face those guys in the Super Bowl in the biggest moments. How about that? NFC is the least path of resistance. I've done, Tom has done what he needs. Does Tom really need to, to go through the ringer again to prove to you guys what he's capable of? No. Uh, he, he doesn't, but he doesn't. I mean, well, I, I wouldn't go be surprised. Through the NFC. I wouldn't be surprised in the Vegas route whatsoever. Like I, I, the I Josh would. McDaniels thing is a, is, a real, uh, is a real pull. And at the same time, throwing to guys like Devontae, Hunter, I don't know if Waller will be there still, but potentially Waller, know, Josh Jacobs coming off of a career year. Your offense looks spectacular. You throw in a good quarterback and uh, well, forget it's not, not good. Space? Good is an it's insult. Uh, great, legendary quarterback in that fold, and you just never truly know. Hey, one more. I, I don't know about you, but I, I loved. I would love to see another AFC Championship. Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, you know, round that was that Mahomes was don't bad. want that smoke though. Nah, he does. Mahomes don't want. The, is, does he really? How many wins he got? I think and two of his playoff, three career playoff losses are to Tom Brady. In his playoffs, how many how many how many times he beaten Brady, John? I mean, you only played two games. There's only three outcomes there, friend. I'm just I'm just saying. Well, in the playoffs, there's only two outcomes actually. But, okay, well, and you either lost. go two and zero, zero and two, or one and one. Those are the three outcomes. And he took an L. Small sample size. Both times took an L on the biggest stages too. Just no context. Yeah, that's true. No context. <laughs> The king of no context. And There's no king of no here. context. What happened, happened. What happened, happened. You know, in Carolina, what happened was that they hired Frank Reich. Oh I'm going to be honest with you two guys. The Panthers have needed two things for half a decade now. Head coach and quarterback. Frank Reich was the fall guy in Indianapolis. And quite clearly, you know, firing your head coach after you force him to start Sam Ellinger 
and then against the Patriots, they have a million sacks. And then, you know, to, to take the blame out on the offensive line, you fired the head coach to literally replace him with Jeff Saturday after Bill Belichick's defense annihilates your offensive line, which is rapidly aging. Not very good. Frank Reich was really impressive in Indianapolis. First year with Andy, uh, first year with Andrew Luck, top five offense. And since then, he was constantly adapting. Adapting. And Philadelphia, he's inheriting Chip Kelly's team with Doug Peterson. They evolved. They won a Super Bowl with Nick Foles after Carson Wentz tore his ACL. Frank Reich is a really good play caller. Yeah, he maybe lost Jim Ursay, one of the worst owners in football's trust, because Ursay has, you know, maybe a loose clock upstairs, but he's one of the best offensive minds in football, and a former quarterback that took the first snaps under center in Carolina. I feel like for the Panthers, a team that's probably looking to draft a quarterback in the next couple of years, unless Matt Corral becomes a pretty good player, we'll see what happens, he misses rookie season. Frank Reich is the ultimate hire. A guy that's well-respected by his players, can adapt, and really maximize his rushing attacks. A year ago, the Colts, with not the best offensive line, you know, their injury hampered, had the best running game in football, Jonathan Taylor. I think with Deontay Foreman and a couple of these different quarterbacks, we'll see who they go with. I feel like it might be Matt Corral. They can have a pretty dynamic rushing attack to go alongside DJ Moore. And when you talk about his staffs, people he's employed, Matt Eberflus, defensive coordinator, Jonathan Gannon, who is not becoming head coach, maybe. He's the Eagles' defensive coordinator. They're playing in the Super Bowl. And no, um, Nick Sirianni. And Sirianni was pretty upset when his mentor got fired because Reich is a really good coach. Is he top 10? Probably not, but he's one of the better guys in the league. There's no two ways about it. I gave the Broncos an A before. I gave the Texans. I'll give him an A. For the Panthers, I'm giving the Frank Reich hire a solid B+. He's a proven offensive mind. And when you're a franchise who struggled with stability, there's not much more you can ask for. And surely nothing you can complain about here. Well, you know, Frank Reich is a leader of men. I mean, he's shown that in his time with Indianapolis. Shame how he got let go. Um, Nick Sirianni had every right to be angry about it. And he, I mean, he showed it in beating the Colts that one week, even though it wasn't by much. But uh, they did win. Um, but yeah, Frank Reich, like I said, he's a leader and... The Carolina Panthers have been looking for the right head coach for a while now. Matt Rule was clearly not the guy for the job. Uh, the question does remain the same thing for Houston, who's the guy under center. Can can that guy elevate your team? Because it's awesome to have a good head coach, but if you don't have the guys around you to to elevate and, you know, to take what you're, you know, to practice what you're preaching, then it's, it, it doesn't mean anything at all. So I really do hope uh, – that he does put together a good team because the Panthers towards the end of the season started to look like the team that Brandon was hyping up in the beginning of the season. You know, they started to show a little bit of that bright spots, uh, the promising defense, the young talent. Um, now it's just finding somebody to maximize that. And I really do hope I, I I'm not going to project and say he will be that guy because I don't know how confident I truly am in the Panthers organization, but um, I, I do hope Frank Reich is the guy for the job. I mean, it's hard for me to get excited or anything for this hire. Um, good for Frank Reich. I think it is a good hire. I, I believe Steve Wilkes deserves a job, in my opinion. Uh, but that's neither here nor there now. Uh, again, Justin said what I was going to say. They still have to find their quarterback. Uh, and if you know one thing is Frank Reich struggled finding his, himself a quarterback in Indianapolis. So that's going to be a tough test. Sam Donald's not the guy. I don't care what anybody says. I've seen enough. I've seen what he can do. He's not the guy, okay? Uh, he can be a good, solid backup quarterback, and that's fine. 
other than that, they're in a better position than Houston. But other than that, I, I don't know. That division's wide open pretty much since Tom's leaving Tampa Bay. So we'll see. I guess the NFC South is going to become the the real weakest divisions. You look at the coaches in that division. Dennis Allen, who, yeah, we'll see. Big year no, for we, him. We've seen. We have seen. We have seen. Todd Voles. We've seen. And Arthur Smith. Quite clearly, Frank Reich's the best coach in that division. They had the yeah. ninth overall pick. I hyped up earlier Anthony Richardson. Oh, man. Would Anthony Richardson be great? This freaking guy is so... With Frank Reich. He's the best quarterback, I think, out of this draft class. Who are you listening to, John? Who are you listening to about this guy? Who's feeding you this information? This is... There's somebody feeding you this information that you're watching or something. I love him. I watch him more and more. I love him. (laughs) I think if he goes to the right team, Ryan Dable, Frank Reich, he's going to be one of the better quarterbacks in the league. And I think arguably the best quarterback in this draft. I'm not quite sure Bryce Young being 5'11", 5'10", if he is going to be the best one we'll see long term. I don't like any of the quarterbacks in this draft. I I really don't. I can't get on. can't get on. Brandon, you don't get on many young quarterbacks. And when you talk about Carson Wentz, yeah, look big at Joe the Burrow, between, Trevor Lawrence guy, we talking about. Look guy. at the difference between Wentz and Indianapolis and Washington. Then look at Matt Ryan, who he was 500 with. Most people viewed Matt Ryan as one of the worst quarterbacks, worst stars in the league, and he was 500 with him until okay. Ursa literally forced him to bench him for Sam Ellinger. Philip Rivers, he got the most out of him. Jacoby Brissett, same thing. Philip Rivers wasn't shot, and Philip Rivers was actually still a solid starting quarterback. 17th best quarterback in the league, nothing right home about. You almost won a playoff game with Philip Rivers. Don't disrespect Philip Rivers. We're being honest here. Sometimes the truth hurts. The Panthers have negative $8 million in cap space. They have a good defense, one up and coming, up and coming offensive line, and a pretty good coach. And in that division, that's going to be enough next season probably to win. And if Tom Brady's surely not in Tampa Bay, I think they could probably win nine or ten games and take a pretty step forward, build off the momentum they ended the year with. And uh, if we're going to see what they do with the ninth overall pick. Could really go quarterback. That's tough. That's or do they continue to build up the offensive line? Because as we saw this last Sunday, the offensive line is pretty king. You're not winning a Super Bowl without it. And if you get that before the quarterback, that guy under center is going to have a much easier job. Yes, sir. Talking about one last coordinator, Kellen Moore was fired or let go, mutually parted ways with the Cowboys. He was, yeah. Call what you want. Put a put a bow on it. He was fired. <laughs> it's funny to me how Cowboy fans, you know, whenever things don't go right, we always blame the offensive coordinator. This was not Matt Patricia. I know some Cowboy fans made out to be that because Kellen Moore is maybe a little bit predictable. But the Cowboys with him had a ton of success, even with Cooper Rush. The guy did a pretty good job. You know the stat. Do you know the stats, John, of, of how much success they've had under Kellen Moore? You have. I mean, I think since Kellen Moore took over, the only team to have more yards since that time was Kansas City. They're second, the Dallas Cowboys. Sounds about right. Even this year, with Cooper Rush starting four or five yep. games, they continue to be you know one of the better offenses in the league. They finished. It wasn't yeah. It wasn't Kellen Moore's fault. Uh, actually, Jackson. go ahead. I actually have some stats for you guys if you want to hear the stats for Kellen Moore. Shoot him. As offensive coordinator from 2019 to 2022, second in total offense, second in yards per game, third in points per game, third in total first downs, third in EPA play, and fourth in third down percentage. Yeah. I What this move comes down to uh, 
I was going to say is, listen, I'm a big Dak fan. I'm a big Dak supporter. I think I rate Dak pretty fairly. I'm not like, you know, inside, I, I rate him. He's not a top 10. He's right outside. Um, I think that's fair. I can sit here and say, and I know I got on John when we last talked or, or two episodes ago about his Dak thing. That was just me being emotional and trying to defend Dak. I had seen so much Dak hate before we even recorded that show that I was just fed up at that point. I want to apologize to John. I apologize, John. Um, I can admit Dak had a terrible game. It wasn't Kellen Moore's fault. There were guys running open in that Dallas Cowboys game and Dak straight up just missed them. Uh, I think this what this move really has to do with is Mike McCarthy has a lot of power in Dallas. He's got Jerry Jones's ear. Um, he's his drinking buddy. And I think that he's whispering and saying, I, I can do, you know, I can do this. He called plays in Green Bay for, what, 13 years or something? Uh, he had success early on. Uh, and then later in the years, Aaron Rodgers obviously famously said that this offense is a little archaic. Uh, and after a couple of bad seasons, he was out the door. So I don't know. I think Mike McCarthy is a good head coach. I think he's average, maybe slightly above average than other guys that you would take you would take over, you know, some other guys. But in terms of I, I don't know, is he gonna be as creative as Kellen Moore? Is is his offense still archaic? I don't know. They were having great success. If if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Having great success with Kellen Moore. This just sniffs of, of Mike McCarthy having Jerry Jones's ear and him wanting uh, the power and the call plays. In my opinion, listen, I, I've been saying for a while. I feel like Kellen Moore is a little bit overrated. Um, maybe looking at those numbers, maybe I'm just speaking off of my the eyeball test, but and not really watching too much of Cowboys football. So I'll admit to that. I guess that's the thing, but. Uh, I think this is a good move for at least Justin Herbert as far as he's this guy's gonna fly up the the MVP votes very fast with Kellen Moore as his OC um considering what Kellen Moore did with Dak Prescott and I'm not as high on Dak Prescott and I do believe that Justin Herbert is an elite quarterback in this league um then you know sky's the limit now Kellen Moore needs to prove a lot come postseason time because I anticipate this Chargers seem to be there. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's time to see what your play calls look like when you got a, a real, you know, superstar quarterback under under the center and, you know, those superstars on that team to help you, even though the Cowboys were loaded with stars. But Well, that's what I was about to bring up, Justin, yeah. is I think we can look at the Chargers and say, I think the Chargers have a better offense than the, the Cowboys. Yeah, better. they have a better yeah, offense. So we'll the see. Cowboys have CED. Other than that, they got a 33-year-old coming off an injury, coming off his couch playing. Noah Brown, eh. Michael Gallup coming off a torn freaking ACL. He was a good receiver, but again, injury. Mike Williams and yep. Keenan Keen Allen are. Zeke is freaking shot. We all know yeah. this. Dalton Schultz is good. Everett is just as good. Uh, you got Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, like you said. You got Austin Eckler, who I think led the league in touchdowns and total touchdowns. He had 18 touchdowns. He's going to, Kellen Moore is going to find a lot of creative ways mm -hmm. to use him. The offensive line is solid. Rashawn Slater, he got injured, but he's a great left tackle. So he's going to, I believe he's going to have success. Like I said, it wasn't Kellen Moore play calls that, that screwed him against San Francisco. There were guys open. Dak missed him. Yeah. yeah. Kellen Moore is not the issue. And the interesting thing to watch here is, 
the Cowboys are going to have to find a new offensive coordinator. Maybe the play caller is Mike McCarthy. It's Mike McCarthy. Kellen Moore is going to get a top five quarterback who is younger than Dak, a team that desperately wants and needs him. And the Cowboys, meanwhile, they have many issues and they're clearly not good enough. So for Kellen Moore, he's in a perfect setting. And it's kind of like the Frank Reich hire who has more success, the Colts or the Panthers. Now, for the Chargers, this was the first step for them. Now, I'm not still the biggest brand Staley guy, but swapping out Lombardi for one of the better offense coordinators in football, I gave some head coaching looks, and Kellen Moore is a massive win. I mean, they literally could not take anything down the field because they didn't have the speed of wide receiver. And even with Mike Williams, he's more a possession guy. The next step is taking a guy in the draft who can eat up 25 carries a game. Austin Eckler is really good as a receiving back, but he's never had a 20-carry game in the NFL. So you get someone that can spell him, and you get a speedy wide receiver, I think, in the first round. And then you pair that up with Josh Palmer as your wide receiver four, and Keen Allen could be number two. That is going to take them to the level they need to be at. And in this, I mean, Sean Payton now, Andy Reid, Pat Mahomes, and whatever the Oakland or the Las Vegas Raiders do, that this is exactly what they need to do, the first step. But now it's on Tom Telesco to draft better. This team hit on Justin Herbert, but outside of that, they have not drafted too well in the last couple of years. So it's time for them to step up, address some of the offensive deficiencies, and hopefully get healthy. Um, I'm not sure if that's going to happen. It never does for the Chargers, but one can hope. Hopefully uh, the Wild Wild West that lives up to its name because they definitely did it this past season. Maybe this is the year. Justin, just Knicks, Lakers. Tumbleweed. What happened? Uh, the Knicks, just uh, I feel like free throws are such a big problem with the New York Knicks, man. Jesus Christ, we can't hit big free throws when it matters most to, but I didn't – I didn't see the, the tail end tail end of the game, so I can't really point that out. But Knicks were in it. They were down 114 to 108 and pushed it to OT. Uh, just, man, this has been a big problem with this team. We'll have the lead later in the stretch. We'll have the game in, in the palm of our hands, and we just give it away. Our team is talented enough to, to be a top-five team in the East. I'd even argue, had it not been for uh, a bunch of those L's that we've taken with double-digit leads, We'd probably be a top four team in the East right now. And I'm not saying top four as in I'm like with the people that we have on our squad, I'm saying top four and just record wise. Yeah. We have the team capable of getting there. So uh, just, we we got to close games, man. We, we struggle to have, we don't have that closer. I guess Jalen Brunson tries his best and he does what he can. I mean, do put up 37 tonight. I love Brunson, um, but still missing something. Still missing a piece, and we all know that. I'm happy seeing my team play good basketball, but just one piece. I don't know exactly what that is. I'm not going to – I know what it is. <laughs> it's RJ Barrett actually developing and being somewhat consistent. Well, you know, we talked about RJ a little bit in the offseason. RJ Barrett is supposed to be the piece. And every single season, you know, vaguely with RJ, he hasn't had an elite skill. So he has two good months for his standards, 20 points per game on inefficient shooting, two bad months and two mediocre moss, which is like 16, 17 points per game on, you know, 43% shooting. So as a three-point shooter, he's not very good. Stands still, he's solid. Not a very good finisher. Hasn't really improved that. Defensively, he's good, but he's not so good where he's making such a huge impact. He's good in transition. The Knicks, dude, with how well Brunson has played this year, and the three throws were a little bit less of an issue in this game. The one thing that they're missing is a star wing, which is exactly what RJ was drafted, extended, and hyped up to be. I had Nick fans telling me this last summer that... He was better than the guys like Franz Wagner, who actually kind of finish at the rim, shoot well, and have a good feel for the game. And so I get a little bit frustrated 
I don't think Garge is ever going to be an all-star. I don't think he's quite good enough. I think he's a fine starting wing that many people somewhat prop up to be, you know, the player that, you know, he's lived up, he's going to live up to the pedigree. I don't think he ever will. You know, that's exactly what the Knicks need. And mm-hmm. that in this league is invaluable. A superstar or just star level wing that can win you games and will take advantage of the mismatches. And this game, 13 points on 13 shot attempts, all of three from three. I'm tired. I'll be honest with you. There's no excuses for Barrett. He's young. He's 22. He's well compensated. Will be soon. You bring in the point guard. Randall stepped up. Man, I'm out on RJ. I, I've been on a, for a little bit. I just, do you think he'll ever be an all-star? You know, I, I, he's one of those players where I feel like he, he's capable of having an all-star campaign. I'm not saying he's going to be the a seven-time all-star, but maybe a one, maybe two. Um, but like you said, I, I feel like, one, he's gotten better every year to me. At least his statistics has, has gotten better. I understand what you mean but by the, you know, two-month stretch of very good basketball and then a two-month stretch of average to so inconsistent basketball. So I've seen that. Uh, I do have my concerns as well because, you know, I've watched Donovan Mitchell drop 71 not too long ago, and I'm like, damn, if we would have had that with this group of guys, um, maybe we'd be actually doing some something better than what we already are. So I I, I don't know. I, I don't want to say the jury's out on, on RJ because he is only 22 years old. And, and it's hard for me to say, oh, this guy's – not going to develop into something because you never know one off season. I mean, look at Julius Randle. Did you expect him to be an all-star coming to New York? Probably not. Did you expect him to average 27 and and, and 10 and five? No, probably not. So all it takes is one, one off season that, that just might change everything for the guy. Um, this, that's me looking at it as a glass half full kind of thing. Cause I'm not trying to be as negative as some of my other fellow Nick fans, Hmm. Um, but yeah, we're seeing I, it now with Laurie Markkinen. Huh? We're seeing it now with Laurie Markkinen, where highly hyped up top seven draft pick, mm-hmm. struggle in Chicago, partially due to injuries, also coaching, and it wasn't until he got an, op- an opportunity, a fresh slate in Utah with a really good offensive coach, that Markkinen this year has been one of the best finishers in basketball. Yeah. He can't play make, but he's scoring twenty five a game on incredible shooting. With RJ, I think it's a little bit similar. So that that you know you, that's a great point, and, and like I mentioned, twenty two years old, the guy hasn't even hit his prime yet. He's still a baby in this league. There's people entering the league at twenty one, twenty two. So, like I said, he's still a baby. I, I don't want to. I mean, he, where he signed for a while, we extended the guy. So, who's to say what he might be in the next year or two? But he's here, and unless there's an absolute stud available, he will be here for the long haul. So. Whatever judgments you have on RJ, just pray that the guy progresses and turns into the third pick that we actually thought we were getting, you know? Why would I pray for you when you're Nick? Well, I mean, yeah, I don't care about your team either, so don't worry about it. I don't care. We got a dub and you took an L today, so what are we talking about? That's okay. Our teams are both mid at best. Whoa, whoa. We're better than you still. What are you talking about? We were... were a shot away from the NBA Finals last year, and they could have been Steph, I think. Okay, that's, la- that's last year. I'm saying this whoa. year. In the Finals, year, two years before that. Chief. I'm saying Chief. I'm saying this year. Chief. Chief. Yeah, Chief. 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 Call me when you win an NBA Finals. Two games. Call me when you win an NBA Finals, because I've seen three. Okay, call me when you don't have a super team to do it. Uh, 06? That's so long ago, bro. Come on, man. Oh, that, that was a, that was an Ooh, age where super teams weren't a thing, bro. Like, super teams weren't a thing, man. 
That's what defines the heat, my man. That 06 was like a year before Boston teamed up. Yeah. Whatever. One year. Listen, you want to you want to take shots at my team. I'll yeah. take shots at yours too. Yeah, but your shots are are pew pew. Mine are freaking rocket launchers. No, yours don't hurt me because I've been I've been dealing with this for my whole life, so it's it's fine. Yo, we did talk about it though. The Knicks, the current position they're in, is way better than where it was two and a half, three years ago, before you know, the twenty twenty one season. Oh I want to say this God. to you, John. You know, all this critique about all this criticism that you give Tom Thibodeau and then what Brandon gives Tom Thibodeau. I'm here to tell you that, you know, for somebody that's been a Nick fan for 20 years of his life, he's the best head coach that we've had in all in my lifetime. Since Pat Riley? I'm 24, so take out the Van Gundy, everything after Van Gundy. Hmm. He's been the best head coach since then. So, in all honesty, the one thing that I want you guys to understand, like, it, it's so quick for people to be like, oh, it's it's Tom Thibodeau. You know, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. But the grass isn't always greener on the other side. So, we may get another head coach that could completely tear this shit to shreds. All this progress that we've made. This is a, a completely different Nick squad where we can actually say with confidence, our team can can compete and can actually make the playoffs maybe consistently now. They're a star away. Yeah, so no, that's no. a that's a step. And yeah, Tom Thibodeau has his flaws, but show me a coach that doesn't have it, doesn't have flaws. You know, I was uh, never negative on Tom. I don't know. I'm not in that category. My bad. Then maybe I, I was. I, I, I was, I was homeboy over there. I know. I know. John was very critical of Tom Thibodeau, and that that's all I wanted to get across because uh, watching my Knicks team play this year. And we've had our ups and downs, but I, I really don't think our team is that bad. And uh, Tom Thibodeau is the one to thank for it because if he doesn't walk into the building, I don't know what direction our, our team is. Yeah, and he's done a very good job with limitations in the regular season. I'm hard on Thibodeau because he's one of the worst playoff coaches in the league. His lack of – he's so fixated on what works in the regular season when they go so much size, not as much shooting. And then things go south. There's no yeah, adjustment. Yeah. There's no difference. There's no variation. So, like, the regular season, in part, is about winning games, but it's also about testing things out for the playoffs. And I feel like while he's a smart, good coach, and the principles he lays are quality, Tom Thibodeau doesn't have that foresight long-term to prepare for a playoff series, getting different looks. Now, this Knicks team is better than the one in 2021. They're probably not going to finish the top four seed. It's important to see what they do at the downline. Sadiq, Sadiq Bey is one player, a shooter who's really struggling in Detroit, who's on the radar, and maybe he's kind of just a fresh start away from being that shooter the Knicks signed Evan Fournier to be. So with Thibodeau, I'll give him a little bit of credit for the season, but when they make the playoffs and probably get swept in the first round, we'll come back to this conversation, Thank and I'll be like, look, Thibodeau's solid. He's not bad, but we know what he is, and it's probably not a top 15-ish coach. But he's still done a nice job this year, and there's no two ways about it. Just thank you for saying get swept in the foot, because that's what's going to happen. You're going to get bounced. Well, the Brunson last year in the playoffs, he was special, man. I don't give a crap. You're getting bounced in the first round. Maybe. Well, yeah. Hey, you're not going that far either. Don't worry about it. We'll be we'll be watching the NBA Finals together, Brent. That's fine, but we'll get farther than you. That's fine. 
We'll still be watching the conference finals together. The Heat have one of the four worst offenses in basketball. I think they're a first round exit too. Who? Talking about the Heat? And by the way, I didn't well, see Jimmy hasn't game. showed up yet. Marjorie didn't play in the last twelve minutes of today's game. Wow, really? John. Was it injury? No, but he didn't speak to the reporters after the game after the game. We saw a little bit of Julius Randle last year. And a lot oh. of Nick fans are saying why is Tibbs employed the first mention? Um I didn't see the end of the game. I'm going to watch in a little bit, but that's kind of my point with RJ. Maybe I came at him hard at the right time, so to speak. But mm. the Heat, Brandon, they're in an interesting spot, 29-23. I think they're going to make a move to the deadline, which is trading Kyle Lowry. Because, uh, <laughs> you know, Kyle Lowry, the contract hasn't for, you know, hasn't really what? gone to plan. For what? For what? D'Angelo Russell? Who? D'Angelo Russell. Oh, my God. I think he would be an upgrade, huh? you know. He'd be an upgrade. What, what? How much of an upgrade? Like, he has a pulse offensively. You know, that's great. It's a good start. Freaking awesome. That's not what we need. <laughs> We're stuck. <laughs> we'll get. That's fine. Oh, Tyler Hero got his money. That's cool. Well, Tyler Hero's been. It's not this. I think Hero's had a very good season. That's Tyler great. Hero's that's still freaking great. Season. I don't care. He needs to take the step to be the guy. I'm sorry. That's the step he needs to take. I don't think any of us expects him to, to be that guy. He expects it. So he doesn't need anybody else to expect it if he expects it from himself. And I'm pretty sure that guy has got a lot of confidence in himself. Every NBA player does. I yeah, mean, but you just know, you look at Tyler Hero, the way he talks, dresses, you know that guy's got the swagger about himself. He he. So RJ's got swagger, bro. And RJ RJ's too. not even the top three but player in the playoff team. That's why I'm sa- I'm saying. Well, if you got that belief, well, here here here's your opportunity to go prove that you are that guy. And guess what? We get to witness it. We get to see you. You get to put out a stat line, and we get to look at that. Those are records of events. You did that on the court. That 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 little thing. You did that. So if it's bad, it's bad. He could be playing. That's great. I need him to take that step. We expect greatness, bro. This is Wade County. He ain't coming back. Bro. Sorry, sorry, Brandon. There's nothing great happening for Miami this year. Oh, well, this year he's been arguably the best player offensively. Uh, Bam's been really good as well. Taking well, that's because Jim, that's because the playoffs oh. haven't started. John and Jimmy's not sure. in playoff mode. No. There's seven points better per 100 possessions when he's on the floor. I think Hero's a little bit underappreciated by you because there's a clear ceiling on him. He's probably going to be CJ McCollum. Like, I'm not going around saying – That's freaking awesome. I love hearing that. I freaking love hearing that. Oh, man. I love hearing that. CJ McCollum. That's a really good – Yeah, no, I love hearing that. I don't know if you can tell the sarcastic sarcasm in my voice. I love hearing that. That's great. That's freaking great. We could have had Donovan Mitchell, and now we're stuck with CJ McCollum. No disrespect. That's. I don't know if you could have. Yeah, we could have. Pat I mean, could Godfather for a reason. Is there anything else you guys would like to add to this discussion before we wrap it up? In our next NBA topic, we're going to be talking about Ben Simmons and a little bit of Lonzo Ball. Maybe we talk about Lonzo now. I don't even know. I know John is going to want to say something about Aaron Rodgers next episode too. So yeah, oh yeah, we got we got we got a couple fun things that we could talk about. That I think that no football this week, guys. No football, yeah, Pro Bowl. Pro Bowl. guys. I'm pretty sad. We got the Pro Bowl. You're not going to watch the Pro Bowl, Justin? No. Am Tom I going to sit down? Am I going to good for him? Yeah, yeah. I'm not watching, man. I'm sorry. Flag <laughs> football is not my thing. You say you sit yes, down Kenny for anything. Should have been in, in that. You thing. say you sit down he for declined. anything. He has he has better endeavors. 
that he's I am looking forward to the skills challenge though. I like the skill like seeing what quarterback can throw the farthest, run, you know, dodge, but whatever. I'm happy yeah, for Tyler yeah. Huntley though. Doesn't pretty cool to see him. I'm not, I'm not. I, I cry. <laughs> what the hell has the Pro Bowl become? I mean, it's come so on. bad. It is so bad. Come on. They should just do away with it completely. Nobody wants to see that, man. Nobody wants to see that. If somebody's gonna sit, that's fine. But like, come on, really? Trent Huntley, Lamar's not gonna. I'll tell you, baseball. Lamar's injured, but you know what I mean. Like, what the hell are we doing, dude? We're just giving out trophies now. Baseball does the best job when it comes to their All Star break. Oh yeah, I would agree. And it it's actually a pretty fun weekend. But up, up and away. With all of that being said, that'll wrap up episode number 70 of the Wise Guys podcast. We've been doing this for about five months. That's crazy, man. Five months? No, longer than that, John. We're doing this for starting June. That's six. Starting June? Seven, eight months. Wow. Almost eight. Almost. Yeah, that's how it works. We're sticking to it, guys. John's getting gray, dude. What's going on, man? Oh, my God. Yo, by the time we maybe hit episode 150, I might have a beard. No, you won't. Yeah. Yeah, thanks, Brandon. It's all right. We'll get in person one day to, to record a show. That's got to <laughs> be a goal of ours. John's like, let's wrap it up. He's like the guy behind the camera. Get this thing on the road. You can get it on the road. We'll see, man. <laughs> With all that being said, I'll wrap up the episode. And as always, we'll see you next time. Peace. Stay classy. Spider-Man.